Hey, Real Nerds listeners, there's many ways you can interact with the Real Nerds podcast. You can email us at realnerds at gmail.com. You can hit us on Twitter at Real Nerds. You want to check us on Facebook? You can just look for Real Nerds Podcast. You want to leave us a voicemail? Just call 720-6NERDS5. You want to listen to our episodes? You can check us out on Stitcher, iTunes, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. This is Real Nerds Podcast, and for 10 years plus, we have seen a new movie and podcasted our experience to the world. Joining me via Zoom is Brad. Hey. Corinne. Hello. And Zach. Hello, hello. This week on Real Nerds, we saw Free Guy. Stay tuned to the end of the episode where we will recommend the film or not. Play the trailer. Spoil the film. Before we do that, though, we are also going to talk about stuff we've been watching, some movie news, stuff you can buy on Blu-ray. We basically do movies really hard. Wait, we, we do movies? Yeah. Hard. Do, do we, I mean... Speak for we, yourself, Ryan. I mean... <laughs> okay, and in some cases, they scissor movies really hard. Wow, wow. Okay, now that... <laughs> That's almost as bad as the horse effing thing. Not really. I don't. I don't really like. I didn't Ryan's, bring up horse fucking this time. <laughs> I, Ryan, I don't like this new idea for a video drone reboot. I think you're taking it a little too far. Am I? <laughs> I mean, well, you know what? Having rewatched Video Drone not too long ago, no, you need to go further. That, never mind. You are, Thank you. You are, you are in a PG-13 zone as of now, but I need you to push it out a little bit further. Well, I always go for the NC-17. You know, <laughs> just hardcore all the time. I don't want very many people to hear or see our podcast. I just want to know that I'm pushing boundaries. Yep. Crossing them, crossing them caution tape lines. You don't give yes. up. <laughs> but I also like, we live in Colorado. And we have cool things you can do around town. Brad will tell you about them right now. Hey, film buddies. Follow me around Denver. Every week is the drive-in during the summer. Oh, that page totally broke. Uh, so I'll talk about the 88 drive-in where they are still showing Snake Eyes, Don't Breathe 2, and Escape Room Tournament of Champions. And then the Holiday Twin on screen one has Free Guy and Jungle Cruise. And screen two, which I saw, has Old and the Suicide Squad. Very so cool. Check that out. And then the EFP... Emerging Filmmakers Project at the Bug Theater is back this Thursday at 8 p.m. And it's a takeover by the 48-hour producers. And they're showing a couple of last year's 48-hour bests of and, I don't know, three other, like, random inferior films um, by someone we know. One of them by someone we know. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, some 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 guy named... Zach, yeah, that guy's a jerk. <laughs> it's it's like uh, pleather gray, I think it's called. 
Oh uh, yeah, yeah. No, it's um, it's uh, Fuchsia Blue is the name of the uh, of the movie. Yeah, no, it's called Leather Brown. You can come check it out on Thursday at the Bug Theater. Uh, we're the closing night movie or closing uh, closing film of the night. So and make um, sure you go across the street to Cova as soon as this Q and A starts. Yeah, absolutely. Don't bother listening to me. What, what you will learn absolutely nothing from listening to me ramble. Look at me. I'm, I'm struggling up here as it is. Ryan, quick, say something funny. <laughs> I like turtles. Ah, there we go. Ah, uh-huh. there we go. Thank I got to think of some questions oh. to throw you off your game. <laughs> really shake things up. Uh. Um, could you think of a more pretentious title than Leather Brown? No. Next question. <laughs> uh, will you be crossing Leather Brown over with, like, say, Street Fighter or Tekken? Um, uh, do you have money? <laughs> okay. Who would win in a fight? Leather Brown or Raiden? <laughs> <laughs> what are you going to be turning the leather into um something brown duh next question so what are we so talking baseball shit. <laughs> oh no no uh, i have a question will you be crossing over leather brown with the green knight um I, I i you know i don't have the time to edit a movie that long so no <laughs> what about a clockwork orange no, I, I don't have the ability in me to be that up my own ass. So no, um, I, no, I, let's just put it this way, guys. Leather Brown will be recruited by Nick Fury to join the Avengers. Is he going to yes. go up against the people from Red at all? You know what? Maybe. If we can get Bruce Willis to stop being a jerk on set, I think we can make that happen. If you could be half man, half sausage. <laughs> Which end would you be? <laughs> the sausage, duh. Next question. <laughs> yes, come and check out this movie. It'll be fun. <laughs> and I love this little Q&A we've done on the podcast. <laughs> what day is that, Brad? I'm sorry. Uh, this Thursday. Uh, That's the 19th. The 19th at 8 p.m. Yeah. So Ryan, make sure you're on duty that <laughs> I am. Sorry. I'm gonna pay good. I'm gonna pay Ryan to show up and just haul you off stage. <laughs> We've got a wanted animal rapist. Oof, ew. <laughs> ew. That's an office reference, you guys. Yep, I know. <laughs> but not everybody knows the office. We're charging you with being a Flenderson. oh my god yes that's what's going on around town wonderful and as always check out uh, dairyartcenter.org to see what's going on at the dairy arts center in boulder um i believe this week they're showing rosemary's baby brown i had a question for you about the uh drive-in theaters how late into the season do they typically stay open uh, it depends on a couple factors like weather and, and business. Uh, I'd say it's gone as late as October 31st ish, maybe a couple, like five days into November ish. Um, but if things are really slow, it could end in September. I just wonder, you know, with all the COVID stuff that maybe they'll stay open later in the season. Yeah. Last year they, uh, they ended early. So, um, also, temperature's a thing mm-hmm. once it gets pretty cold. So it depends on how soon winter shows up this year. I'm guessing 
later than usual. Seems pretty hot. You always say that, and then you just don't know. Mother Nature likes to throw curveballs. You can never predict it. Yep. So, yeah. Hey, let's get some movies this week. DVD releases and Blu-rays. All right, Ryan. Um, I need you to help me out with this. Um, I need you to act surprised when I tell you this. You're a 4K wizard, Harry. <laughs> what? Yeah, there you go. Thank you. Yeah, you can pick up uh, Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone on uh, 4K now. Um, I don't see any special packaging, so I guess it's just standard? No, it is. It's the 20th anniversary because you can actually get it on 4K already, but it's in part of like the eight film collection. So oh. this, so this one's like standalone. There's, oh no, there's something in the very top corner. It sounds like it's a really like frivolous extra. Sit on gotcha. steelbook, right? Oh, uh-uh. no, yeah, yeah but... no. Literally, all I'm seeing is the 4K and then a um, a reissue Blu-ray that says 20 years of movie magic." Yeah, there's a new steelbook for it on at Best Buy. FYI. Nice. Ooh, okay. Snap. Um, and then also on 4K, you can um, you can hang out with the Goblin King because Labyrinth will be coming your way at 4K, 35, 35th anniversary edition. Uh, I don't want to hang out with him. I want to dance with him. <laughs> do, 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 do. Let's dance, Ryan. <laughs> um, and uh, from Warner Archive, you can get Shadow of the Thin Man, the fourth entry in the lovable uh, Thin Man series featuring William Powell, Myrna Loy, and Asta, too. Um, or as he's known to us film fans, uh, Skippy, uh, a.k.a. our dog god. Um, uh, Ryan knows what I'm talking about. The rest of you don't. Hell yeah. He's winning Academy Award for the Off the Truth. Do you know what? He can sing with Cary Grant he, when he he's playing on piano. Command. Yes, exactly. <laughs> he can he can help solve mysteries. He was the greatest ever, hands down. Uh, among new releases, uh, the Hitman's Wife's Bodyguards 4Ks is coming to 4K. Um, that movie came and went pretty quick uh, from the theaters. Did anybody see it? Mm-mm. No, I've never even seen the first one, so I don't... Um... Yeah, the first one's fun. Okay, cool. Neato. Uh, Mill Creek is putting out Rad from 1986. Uh, Brad, I believe you're familiar with this movie. Yeah, Arrow did a pretty sweet edition not that long ago. So yeah, this one I was looking. I was like, man, this seems like it just came out. It's literally just the movie. Oh, okay. <laughs> so that's uh, that's disappointing. Uh, Sony Pictures Classics is putting out the Truffle Hunters from 2020. I believe this is a this isn't a documentary, is it? Yeah, it's a documentary. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, you can check out the Truffle Hunters uh, on, on Blu-ray. Uh, Criterion is putting out um, company original cast album Company uh, from D.A. Pennebaker. Um, and Magnet is putting out a Mads Mikkelsen movie called Writers of Justice. Uh, it's Mads Mikkelsen, and he's bearded, wearing camo, and there's an explosion behind him. Um, the tagline is, somebody is going to pay. And that's uh, about as ominous as one can get. Keto Lorber is putting out The Fortune Cookie, uh, Billy Wilder's wonderful 1966 movie with Jack Lemmon and Walter Matthau. Um, and they are also putting out a Dick Van Dyke movie called Fitzwillie from 1967. Ryan, have you seen this one? No, but I pre-ordered it. And it's I've not showing up. It. I don't know. What's up? I've seen it. 
Oh, you've seen it, Brad? It was on Netflix long ago. Ooh, any good? It's 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 of its time. (laughs) Okay, fair enough. Uh, Kino is also putting out The Emperor Waltz uh, with Bing Crosby and Joan Fontaine from 1948. And we are also getting Care Bears 2, A New Generation from Sony Pictures. Um, If you thought those Care Bears were cuddly, get ready for the new generation of cuddly bears, I guess. I mean, the original tagline is care harder, so. Care. (laughs) Did they ever care hard with a vengeance? I don't know. Two cares, two bears. Did they live free or care hard? (laughs) (laughs) It's a good day to care hard. It's a good day to care hard. (laughs) That's the weakest entry in the series. Yeah. (laughs) It's the one where they go to Russia, so. Yeah, exactly. That's that's all you need to know. Hey, hey, um, Sad Bear was just on vacation. I don't know Care Bears, guys. I don't know if that's the thing. Uh, Warner Archive is putting out In the Good Old Summertime with Judy Garland and Van Johnson. Um, Check that out. And looks like that's about it, unless I've missed something of uh, great significance. Kind of a light Um, Sundown, Vampires in Retreat, starring Bruce Campbell. Oh, that's right. Yeah, from Destron. Man, it's has it been a while since we got a Vestron, Ryan? Uh, they released Little Monsters and Shivers from Cronenberg. That's right. About a year ago. Okay. Yeah. So that. So yeah. So this is this is their 2021 entry. Then I guess um, I've never seen this before. This sounds fun. Count. It's all right, but it's on Blu-ray and it's Bruce Campbell, so I'm getting it. <laughs> right on. And David Carradine. So you get some David Carradine in your life. That, you can never go wrong there, right? All right, and Unless that's you're in a hotel room in Thailand. Well, now Ryan, now 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 we get into the 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 the, the tough discussion here. <laughs> yeah, how much is too much? I mean, I don't know. You've already clearly made up your mind. <laughs> no, I mean, uh, how much is too much when you're choking yourself? Uh, oh, oh, from that. I mean, you know, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's an unfortunate accident. Uh, and that's sure. and that's news or Blu-rays. <laughs> Way to bury the lead. Movie yeah. news. It's real news. Uh, probably the greatest thing that's ever happened in the history of ever is um, John Waters is bequeathing his art collection to the home ta- his hometown museum, the Baltimore Museum of Art. And they will be naming a bathroom after him. <laughs> Perfect. I, I cannot think of a better way uh, for um, uh, for for this uh, this wonderful maverick of transgressive cinema to receive such an honor. Uh, it better be called the Waters Closet. <laughs> I wanted it to be called the Divine Memorial Shitter, but <laughs> did um, restrooms used to be called water closets? I don't know. Oh, yep. Right. Yeah. You are correct. Wait, what? what? Really? <laughs> yep. That's, wow. I had to explain that joke, this? so I ruined it. <laughs> <laughs> I um, think, like, I don't know, 1900s, probably early. Okay. Late 1800s. Fair enough. But it once says they put... a room containing a flush toilet. <laughs> yes. All right. Fair enough. 
in an interview with the Baltimore Sun, Waters uh, said, they thought I was kidding, and I said, no, I'm serious. It's in the spirit of the artwork I collect, which has a sense of humor, and it's confrontational and minimalist, and which makes people crazy. So uh, that's, uh, that, that's what he has to say about bringing his uh, artwork into a, the Baltimore Museum of Art. So congratulations, John. Wonderful job. Waters um, Closet, Baltimore, hire me. <laughs> You're looking for any reason to move, aren't you? <laughs> um, uh, an update on Jeopardy. We have got uh, two new hosts. Um, we will be having executive producer of the show, Mike Richards, and Big Bang Theory co-star, Mayim Bialik, uh, as our new hosts of Jeopardy. Um, seems like Mike uh, Richards has been getting some uh, 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 pushback, as well as Mayim Bialik. Uh, but uh, we'll see what happens on this. I kind of just wanted Jordy LaForge to be doing it, but uh, who the hell is Mike know. Richards? Um, I thought he, the same thing. And then apparently there's like two different shows or something. Uh, he has. Um, uh, he was there's, an exec. He was an executive producer on this, and The Price Is Right. And he's also had um, accusations thrown against him by models who were working on The Price Is Right. So. Um, I am not sure what's going on there. And I know Bialik has some, uh, uh, has some contention regarding her views on vaccines. I, I don't know the full content of it, so I won't try to force an opinion, but uh, needless to say, it sounds like the reception to this announcement, regardless of the feelings on either end of the spectrum, everybody agrees it's kind of bland, boring, and uh, maybe should be something a little bit more exciting than these two decisions. So uh, well, who's I don't the, know. Who's the like famous old, game show producer merv i can't griffin. remember like merv did merv griffin ever host like his game shows Ooh, i don't know i know he had the talk show um but it's the one talk show i don't watch the most clips of hold on i'll find out for that i mean he had his own show but like did he ever well, yeah, host he had the, the game yeah. shows he produced um i don't believe so um he just created um through merv griffin enterprises jeopardy and wheel of fortune which are still going strong um it's so weird to have like a huge casting call and then just like i'm taking the job yeah it's kind of uh it's like it's like like when you advertise a job externally but then you hire someone internally like why didn't you just do that before you advertised it yeah it's almost like they're just checking boxes like hey we opened it up to minorities and women but yeah it's like dwight naming himself hey king (laughs) (laughs) um and then um some emily blunt related news i think this is really honestly the biggest news of the week uh that i could find which was that uh she will be Working again with Dwayne Johnson, this time within a production that involves her playing uh, Pinkerton detective Kate Warren um, uh, for, uh, sorry, for, uh, uh, I'm trying to get the name of this right. Careful. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It's a a show about Kate Warren and it's a, it's, it's a propulsive action adventure built around Warren, a real-life female Sherlock Holmes in a male-dominated industry whose singular sleuthing skills paved the way for future women in law enforcement and forever changed how detective work was done. So yeah, we're gonna get uh, we're gonna get Kate, uh, Emily Blunt as a Pinkerton detective. That sounds like fun. Uh, get some Victorian era stuff going on in there. Brian, how do you feel about that? 
Let's see. Emily Blunt and The Rock will be there. Right on. Cool. And he's just co-producing it. So it's not, he won't be in it, but. Emily uh, Blunt, I'll be there. There you go. Wonderful. Uh, and then the last piece of news is Speaking we had a Speaking of Sherlock oh. Holmes. <laughs> what? I said, speaking of Sherlock Holmes, the death yes. of the week. Yeah, we had two deaths. I'm getting to it. But first, before we talk about that, we have to talk about the fact that we lost um, Pat Hitchcock, dying at the age of 93. Uh, Pat Hitchcock, daughter of Alfred Hitchcock, um, was also an actress in films Strangers on a Train, uh, Psycho, and Stage Fright. Um, <laughs> arguably, Strangers on a Train features her most famous role, where she played uh, Barbara Morton. And in a, a stage fright, she plays Chubby Bannister. And in Psycho, she is uh, Janet Lee's coworker who has the wonderful line, Teddy was furious when, I, when he found out I was taking tranquilizers. Um, and uh, yeah, it, it's sad. She was uh, very instrumental in keeping her father's legacy alive by telling stories um, for those behind the scenes documentaries and featurettes. And I'd argue like she had an actual dramatic training um, early on in her life. And uh, she's really good in her father's movies that he put her in. Um, but it is a, it's a shame, but she lived a long life. She outlived her father by 13 years. So, you know, gotta, gotta give her credit for sticking around that long, but yeah, 93 Pat will be missed as Alfred Hitchcock would say, she was his greatest production. Um, so that, that is, a terrible shame to hear. And then uh, why don't you go ahead and just announce the second one, uh, Corinne, since you. <laughs> yeah. So Una Stubbs, who played yep. Mrs. Hudson on BBC Sherlock, yep. uh, passed away this week. I'm not entirely sure how old she was. She was like in her eighties or nineties, but um, you know, she's been around in the British um, acting scene for a really long time. She's got uh, other works beyond Sherlock, but of course, it's what a lot of people nowadays know her for. So, um, you know, she just brought a lot of energy and joy to that set and that cast, it sounds like, uh, based mm-hmm. on the actor's comments. So, um, you know, she she brought a lot to the show and she will be missed. Yeah, she um, uh, she was she's uh, she started appearing in films like Summer Holiday in 1963. <laughs> she was Rita Rollins on the BBC sitcoms Till Death Do Us Part. And in sickness and in health, um, she was also on Wurzel Gummidge and The Worst Witch. Um, but yeah, uh, the only way I knew her was as Mrs. Hudson, and she's a very interactive Mrs. Watson or Mrs. Uh, Hudson. She's um, they give her a lot to do on the show. Um, so yeah, it, it's a it's a shame, but she's damn wonderful on it, and we still have the memories of Sherlock that we can. I mean. I believe Sherlock's still on Netflix, so you can always check it out and watch her wonderful work. Um, and she was 84 when she passed, so hell of a life. And that's news. Um, what broke before we just came on is, I know you guys are going to be upset, Hotel Transylvania 4 is going straight to Amazon. Well... Ryan, why are we doing a show anymore? Why? why? I know. No theatrical. <laughs> yeah, they're not going theatrical. Oh, uh, that was, I, I noticed it was coming out the same day as Adam's Family too. So that would have been an interesting in, pairing. The Adam Sandler isn't Dracula in it, so 
so no I'm one good. cares. <laughs> wait, yeah. wait, he so he didn't come back to do the voice? Uh-uh. Why? I don't know why. That's weird. Seems like a big enough picture. money. Maybe he got really pissed <laughs> off that he didn't win that Oscar for uncut gems. Yeah, so he's like, fuck everything else. I'm just gonna make Hubie Halloween too, and then I'm gonna make Punch Drunker Life. <laughs> Didn't he he threaten Grown Ups 3 if he didn't get an Oscar or something? Oh, I think that was a joke. (laughs) No, he said he's going to make a horrible movie. His next one is Hubie Halloween, which is really fun. Yeah, so he didn't make a bad movie. So he still has to follow up on that promise, right? (laughs) Yeah, so Grown Ups 3 is still in the possibility. Was was that announcement pertaining to rising numbers, or was it just a business decision? Um, I think it's a combination of both, because it's supposed to come out in October. Mm-hmm. But I think with Adam's family and now Venom got delayed to the same day as Halloween Kills. Um, yeah, I think it's just starting to get way too crowded. And I don't know. We'll, we'll see. Yeah, I, I always. <laughs> I think with the movie industry has to get over. They they have like really bad PR right now because I watch sports almost every day, and there's fifty thousand, seventy thousand people in stands. But for some reason, the movie industry has this like uh, image problem with people going to see movies. Mm-hmm. So, admittedly, some of those are outdoor venues. I realize not all of them are, but if but it's still, an outdoor venue, the the risk is less. You know, it is less. But you're telling me that if you're in a section with thousands of people, is any less not dangerous as being inside a movie theater? I don't believe that at all. Depends on how many people are in your theater. Like when I went this week, there were literally four people total, and that included me and my friend. Well, theaters have the AC system, so it collects, you know, the oh no, I, air I particles all that, and holds but, them. So, but I mean, they still have a an image problem with it, right? Because they can't even attribute any outbreaks to people going to theaters. No, um, so it's it's an image problem they have. Yeah, between that and between that and the ability to VOD, I mean, they're they're yeah, in a tight they, spot. The coronavirus and movie studios have fundamentally changed the theater experience. Yeah, because you can't you can't tell me that the Suicide Squad isn't as successful as it could be because people can watch it with their subscription fee. I guarantee you that's 90% of what drove it to not have as big a numbers. Yeah. I, I mean, I, this is why I'm kind of happy that Disney is like reversing course to commit to that theatrical, but I feel also like it's too little too late. Like they already kind of, they already kind of, uh, yeah, no, the, the damage already- is done. They gotta, they have to make a movie that people want to return and see. I'm and that's the, Go ahead, Brad. Sorry. I'm already re- reading people who are not going to bother with Shanghai theaters. They're like, it's not worth it. I've but, seen really. that too. Although that's, I think it's for different reasons. I saw some stuff on to, on Twitter today because I guess it premiered and people were bashing Aquafina for PC reasons. So, you know, whatever. I th- I just think that there's, with the cases right now, I just can't see a lot of people going to the theater to see it. I mean, at least not as many as they want. But too, it's also, <laughs> this is what people have to remember. And this is what I mean too, is the cases are really bad in the South. 
Yeah. The, the South makes up like as 97% of coronavirus cases. So they got to figure out, I don't know how they do it. I mean, I don't think they can, but you know, because right now, I mean, Colorado isn't spiking that much. Other states that have high vaccination rates aren't spiking that much. So they haven't, they, like I said, they have an image problem. They have an image problem of people don't want to go. And then movie companies are, the studios are hurting themselves because, I mean, I was reading that The Green Knight's going to be coming out on VOD next week. Yeah. So it's a quick, quick turnaround. <laughs> well, because, that might be because they're getting pushed out of the theaters because so much is getting released every week. Well, no, because they, they sign these deals with them this year where it's like, uh, like Universal only has, I think it's 17 days where it has to be in theaters. So they, they've shortened the window and they're going to have to wait till next year before they're going to even see the kind of movies they want. And I don't think there's really been a movie that's driving people to go. I looked up the numbers this morning and 2021, the highest grossing movie was Black Widow with $189 million. And then I think like Fast 9 might have been number two. You know what we've got to do, Brad? We need to make Thunderbolt 3 now. Now's the time. That will save movie theaters. Those Black Widow's numbers aren't too far off from uh, Thor and Captain America First Avenger 10 years ago. So that's not terrible. Yeah, Yeah. that's what I mean. They, They have an image problem. Like, I think worldwide, Fast 9 has made $600, $700 million. They got to find a way to break that barrier down. And the constant fear that people are being fed constantly does not help. And we have to be smarter. If it's going to be wearing masks indoors, wear masks. If it's getting vaccinated, get vaccinated. You know, it's there's ways to solve this. It's just people are being ignorant. Yeah, things are looking up for Suicide Squad though, because apparently it's doing better overseas. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's what it is right now. You and I can't believe Venom moved to Halloween Kills Day. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that that's the thing, guys. You um, if uh, you have to make sure that at the very least, Halloween Kills beats Venom too. I, I yeah, well, I'm, well, yeah. that's what I mean. Like, you, so you're you don't want to be in September twenty fourth. Cause you're worried about spiking things and you're going to move it to another huge movie that people are anticipating in hopes. My guess is they're hoping Halloween moves. Um, but Ooh, if it did though, move it to Halloween night. Ooh. Yeah. October is already that. like super stacked in September. It's almost nothing. <laughs> it's a really interesting schedule for us coming up. Like yeah. if I was like, producers of Halloween kills, I'm like, all right, let's move it to what, where venom was. Fuck it. Ooh, yeah. Just move I mean, it up like however many weeks. Yeah. Before no time to die. Yeah. yeah. Might be a true. bit of a challenge. I think, well, and I think with Halloween kills, I feel like they're going to stay there because no time to die is a theoretical good movie to get people back in. But so Halloween kills is going to want as many, le- as much legs as possible during October because it needs to carry, they want to carry that, carry that, carry that weight if they can for a little bit um october is so tough because you're 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 coming off three weeks of shang chi and they've got no time to die halloween kills venom 2 on the same week then jackass forever dune and the french dispatch on the same week and then last night in soho you've got chloe zhao um and uh, then eternals 
you've got Chloe Zhao uh, proclaiming that she is worried that Dune won't do well in theaters. So I feel like Dune may not be as big an opposition point. Like I, I just, I, I'm, I'm excited for that movie, but I'm also weary that it's going to draw a lot of business. So it's just, it seems it, it's, it seems it's going to run into the problem that suicide squad has. It's on yeah. HBO max. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and then, you. and then on top of that, like, I mean, French dispatch, I feel like that's, that's something that feels like they're going to put that stick that right on Hulu selects. If I'm, well, if I'm reading the room correctly after Nomadland, because that's what they did with Nomadland. Over my dead body. That's coming to <laughs> the Mayan. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I don't know. And I, I think, too, it's it's a bummer that Black Widow and Shang-Chi are coming out. I mean, they look cool. I mean, Black Widow's a cool movie. But if you had maybe a well-known Avenger come out, it might help drive the business. Like I mean, Spider-Man. Black Widow's pretty well-known. Yeah, People but she's been not wanting a standalone movie for her for years. Yeah, but you're telling me she's like Iron Man, Captain America, or Thor, or Spider-Man? No way. For some people, she is. Yeah, but I'm talking about everybody, Grin, not just the the small group. It's she doesn't have mass appeal. I I don't know. I see a lot of people online who were craving her movie, and it kept getting pushed back. Wait a minute. I've got it, Ryan. You ready for this? My big mm-hmm. idea of the year. MCU presents Howard the Duck. Get it, yeah. get it done, get it fucking done, guys. I will, I will make everybody go to the theater. Is the new Resident Evil still coming out in two months? Because there's still no trailer. I'm guessing not. <laughs> there's also a Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie that's supposed to come out soon. I'll believe that when I see it, Mister Frost. <laughs> no, it's. I just read an interview with uh, Fetty Alvarez, and it's, it's done and it's been test screened. Okay, cool. Yeah, so, I just haven't seen many updates on it, so I'm just like, oh, okay. Well, we'll see that. We'll, we'll see. So when it's that definitely happens. out there. All right. <laughs> I'm guessing um, January. That sounds like a. Is it, that, if it's already been screened, that feels like it should be the best time is to release it in October and just like throw all the horror in there. Oh, that's right. We also have Candyman coming out in October. If I'm correct, yeah, that's, that's August. It's August twenty seventh. Oh, so oh shoot, it's in two weeks. Fuck. Ryan, we're getting a new Candyman. It's fun. Anyways, our next segment's called What We've Been Watching. So, uh, yeah, this is the stuff we've been watching. Brad, start us off. Oh, gosh, where do I begin? Um, well, uh, I finally watched Speed for the first time. The, the uh, please, hot classic. shot. <laughs> Air quotes classic. <laughs> I don't know if I've um, ever seen that movie all the way through. I think I've caught parts of it on like cable or whatever. Yeah, seems fun. It's okay. It's I'm sure it was amazing back in 1994. Um, but today, I don't know. There's Avengers movies, so you can't really compete with that kind of adrenaline rush. <laughs> um, and the like I, I get it was kind of like a, a first of its kind type of thing. I mean, it's diehard on a bus, but the filmmaking involved with filming a bus in LA going 50 miles an hour, although a lot of times I was watching it, it seemed it was only doing like 30. <laughs> um, and then there's like this part where it's making this hard turn onto an off ramp. And you can see in the background, cause there's like that flatbed of police officers that are like monitoring it and following along. 
and they just sped up the footage. So if you look closely, like all of a sudden, all the police officers like are moving really fast in the background. Um, you know, so they could add some speed to the the bus that makes the sharp turn. Uh, the movie's called Speed, Brad, so they move at a faster <laughs> frame rate. Oh, it's so deep. <laughs> Didn't so even know layers. how meta it was, did you? <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, on top of that, like, the dialogue's super cheesy, and, um, you know, everyone always talks about, like, how great the relationship between Sandra Bullock and Keanu Reeves is in the movie, and I'm just like, it's so, like, I don't know, It's it seems super superficial and shallow to me. Like, it's not like they had, any, had, they had like, great one-liner exchanges back and forth, you know? It's like, hey, we're just like in this high pressure environment, so everything's well, contrived. Well, I'm taller. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty sweet. This, that kept, I don't know. I think the movie's pretty fun. Like, so I, I, I'm, I, I'm a sucker for '90s action movies and '80s action movies. I still think it's a fun movie. Oh, me too. But I'm like, people always say like, "Oh, Speed Two is terrible," and I've never seen that one either. But I'm guessing it's probably not that much different from this one. Oh no, it's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, well, maybe I'll try to find her for free. And... Yeah, uh, it, it stars Jason Patrick. <laughs> yeah. It's it's on a cruise liner, which can't go very fast, so... Yeah, we'll see. But yeah, I, I just wasn't, like, impressed. Um, and then I watched a bunch of TV shows. Ted Lasso's uh, Christmas special uh, was fun. Um, but at the same time, like, we're already kind of sort of halfway through a season and uh it's only so far kind of kicking off and so i'm like you know there's only uh, there's a very limited number of episodes to put together a story so i feel like it was kind of a waste of time but it was it was still fun to see those characters do a christmas episode also why christmas episode in august Uh, does britain I know you can watch the show anytime eventually, so I guess it doesn't matter, but it was just kind of a weird, like, deviation from the show. Um, I'm sure Corinne will talk about more. Maybe. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't think they have any um, any control over, like, the release schedule, so maybe the writers were like, well, we want to do a Christmas episode, and then they're like, okay, but it's not getting released until August. Yeah. I guess Simpsons, Simpsons does does their like Halloween episode often like in September too, so it's not that unheard of. Um, and then I also started watching um, AP Bio, which is oh. like another uh, dysfunctional teacher show from the same time like Those Who Can't was on, um, and it's okay. It's not. I don't think it's as fun as those who can't because there's only the main uh, character, Glenn Howerton from Always Sunny. Um, he's a teacher who used to teach at Harvard, or I guess he's a professor at Harvard who got disgraced by his rival and um, has to take a job at a, at the, shoot, what town was it? So, oh, some uh, high school in Ohio, I think it was. And um, he hates being there. On day one, he drives through the the, the school sign <laughs> with his car. Um, he doesn't teach bi- uh, biology at all. And so the class is filled with nerds who just want to actually learn and achieve. And he flat out refuses to teach them anything. And so they have to find ways to trick him into teaching him. 
and he is on a mission just to bang like his high school girlfriend <laughs> um <laughs> and, and and disgrace the guy who uh you know made him lose his job at harvard so yeah I, I like Len Howerton a lot. Yeah, I mean, he's he's, he's kind of still playing his character from Always Sunny, um, but yeah, just in this new show with like a lot of supporting characters. Um, what else? Wait, what's something else? Oh yeah, um, the drive-in. Um, so obviously, I've, I've seen the Suicide Squad a bunch, so. Don't need to reiterate that other than it's so great. Um, but I watched Old, which he has it. M. Night Shyamalan being awesome again. I bet. I was tempted to see that, Brad, and I still might. I'm curious. What did you think of it? Yeah, I wasn't going to, but since it was paired up with Suicide Squad, I was like, okay, I'll give it a shot. And I wrote on Letterboxd, it is the most robotic movie I think I've ever seen. It feels like it was written by an AI enacted by robots because <laughs> um this and just like the sixth sense like five minutes in i know exactly where this is going so the twist at the end isn't that much of a surprise um but there's this family they go on vacation to this resort and then the resort owner's like hey um you know we have this exclusive getaway for very special people. And so gather up your family, your things, we'll throw you on um, the shuttle and they'll take you down to the coast and you'll have like this private experience and then load up into the shuttle. And then suddenly they're paired up with like two other groups of guests. And they're like, I guess this wasn't that exclusive. And so they all go down to the coast and then within seconds, uh, madness ensues and, uh, all the kids are aging, uh, getting older really rapidly. And then all the adults are slowly getting older and everyone's losing their minds. And for people who are in the most insane experience of their life are pretty nonplussed about it. <laughs> um, they're all very strangely logical. Uh, well, except for one character, but everyone's very scientific and procedural and uh, also just not all that disturbed even though their dialogue shows uh expresses that they're disturbed uh their actual performance is very clinical about what's going on so yeah. you know it's interesting how Shyamalan started his career with great performances and the sixth sense and unbreakable and it's almost as if he doesn't care about performances as much anymore yeah, I mean, I feel like everyone is doing their best to amplify the really dry dialogue. But at the end of the day, they're just very much like, oh, my God, can you believe our son? He's aged like 10 years. Did you know that there's like a, a thing with magnetic fields in the rocks that can actually alter the cells of your like body? Like, <laughs> uh, yeah, stuff like that. Like every, it's almost like every character is the same character in the movie. Mm. Like they all so have the same you, personality. What? So if you had to give it a letter grade, what would you give it? C, D. Like a C minus? Yeah, somewhere between a C and a D. I mean, 
out of five stars on Letterboxd, I gave it a two because it's still competently made. Um, and I, th- I feel like people are trying to make it good, but at the end of the day, it's just not that interesting. And for a long stretch of time, you're just like, will someone just get to like a turning point where you can figure out like what the hell is even going on? Like, it's just a uh, shocking thing happening after shocking thing happening with like no context. Like, how I remember far- the trailer was really interesting. Maybe they need to get those people for the Pixar movies. <laughs> anyway, what were you saying, Brad? Yeah, I, that's about it. all I can say about old. It's just, yeah, right out of the gate. Like, I was sitting there watching the movie, and this thing happens in the first, like, two minutes. I'm like, I bet that's what this is about. <laughs> uh, they just did that, and I, I know that this is going to this is the twist. This is what's going to happen at the end of the movie. And then I got to the end of the movie. I was like, yep. I don't usually call movies that well, but I did this one. You figured out the Shyamalan code. Yeah. <laughs> and that means Shyamalan's got to kick you out now, Brad. <laughs> I mean, I like, I just laugh because back in 99, like as soon as, you know, he gets shot and then comes back in the next scene, like everyone's eye lines are off. I was like, Oh, that guy's dead. <laughs> <laughs> I basically Did you dead by the end of the movie. The <laughs> I wanted to. It's like looking over at everyone, like, you guys see he's dead, right? Like, no one's making eye contact with him. But yeah, we walked out and we're like, oh my God, that was amazing. Did not see that coming. It's like, I feel like I'm I, I'm, I'm Neo in the Matrix. <laughs> hey, Brad, there is, there is no spoon. Everyone's a ghost. <laughs> It's a movie that I want to rewatch at some point, kind of re-examine. So. Yeah, I haven't seen it since the theater. But, yeah. Um, yeah, that's it for me. Oh, uh, I forgot to talk about SNL, this one thing, because I, I still can go through it. I'm on season five now, and I haven't talked about it in like two weeks. So I keep forgetting. But so in season three, they kind of settle into the, the, the uh, framework of the show as we have known it for like 40 years, right? And everything's going smoothly. And then Gary Busey guests on an episode. And oh, wow. I love how you started off with that. Everything's going great. And then Gary Busey. Because this gets crazy. So I'm watching it. And the cold open happens. And he's doing this like bit with Jane Curtin. And he flubs it. And so Jane Curtin, you know, improvises to bail him out. And it's, it's pretty soon you're like starting to feel like he doesn't remember what he was supposed to do. So he starts improvising and then he tries to get back on track. And part of the skit is that um, he is feuding with John Belushi, who is now like a big Hollywood star, you know? Um, So he has to go make a band. And so he goes in his dressing room and then it seems like both of them are improvising their own skits. And then, so the cold opens kind of, there's just like this off thing, like, they're not on the same page. And then there's a couple more sketches. And then suddenly they come back from commercial and there's like a sketch that's kind of like the enchantment of the sea dance from back to the future. And this is like five years before that movie comes out. So it's just like, just picture that kind of scene, but that's like back to the future is not the skit. It's just like, imagine that environment, but the sketches, uh, the, the, the band, like the Marvin Berry band, and then a bunch of the teachers are hitting on the, the students and then suddenly, like, Gary Busey 
comes from the background he's like the the band leader he comes to the foreground to do like his part of this really like super long sketch about this right it's like almost half the show and he's got a black eye like it's swelling like you couldn't see it because you know it's the 70s and the resolutions but like once he's close to the camera he's got a, uh, a swollen eye and so i did some wikipedia searches and i guess like he was he had gone AWOL, disappeared before the show started. And they had like had to track him down. And by the time he got uh to the cold open, um, you know, like he got there just as you know it went live, right? And so um he does like this 10 second jig, like a little bit of banter, and then 10 second jig, and then it goes to commercial because he's just improvising. And then I'm like, with the black eye, it feels like there was a fight <laughs> somewhere between the sketches. Um, but yeah, like they did the best to cover it up with makeup, but it's 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 so pronounced because it's uh, I'm watching it like in HD yeah, and everything. So yeah, um, never found anything like Belushi or <laughs> Ackroyd didn't punch him or anything. Uh, no, but like uh, I, I I wouldn't be surprised. Um, that's what happened. I know and then, Chevy Chase and Bill Murray got into a fight one time. Yeah, they actually did a sketch because uh, Chevy Chase came back to host in in season five, and they're like they actually did like a sing along to like make up <laughs> for their feud. <laughs> so that was pretty public. But yeah, the yeah. BC one was just like it was like felt like it was so kept under wraps. Um, and then like two episodes later, Milton Berle hosts. Yeah. And his monologue bombs because it's so like, yeah, disgusting. It doesn't. It, it doesn't. It, it's not like all of his jokes are about like ethnic humor. Yeah, um, it's, and his, the crowd's his, not into it. His attempt to transition what he thinks is bluer material doesn't work. I, I it's it's not a fun episode of SNL to watch. <laughs> yeah, and then the, in his sketches, he's just mugging for the camera and improvising, so he's pissing off yeah. like Lauren and everybody. Um, and then I guess they change the ending. He just does like his own little closeout to the show that wasn't part of rehearsal. Yeah. So he just sits there and like does some crooning, and then tries to do more stand up. And I guess got the band like just kind of continuously playing behind him and like that wasn't part of the show he just did it yeah he um, he had a low he had he had he had an entitlement issue yeah. and, and i you know when you look at milton burl just because you're mr television for one or two seasons doesn't make you a i mean like sid caesar would have more reason to mug for the camera and earn it than milton burl in my opinion but you yeah. know it's 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 what it was. that's who he was like this isn't an this isn't an isolated story <laughs> yeah and then by the end of season four Ackroyd leaves belushi leaves um and yeah season five kind of everything is kind of back on track but they've got an expanded cast and uh uh yeah it was just, it was just fascinating to watch that decline and then I guess after this season, Lauren's going to leave because he's burnt out. So I can understand why. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, that's what I've been watching. Ran. By the way, I have an answer to Brad's earlier question about the Ted Lasso Christmas special or holiday special. 
And uh, this is from Screen Rant. Uh, per report from the LA Times, the episode was added after Apple extended Ted Lasso season two from 10 episodes to 12, allowing for the writing team to come up with two more independent episodes to sprinkle into the ex- existing story. And then, of course, one of those was the Christmas special, yeah, so. which was always meant to premiere in August, apparently. And that, now they have 12 instead of uh, 10. That makes sense. Yeah. Which I wonder what the other standalone episode was. Maybe we haven't gotten to it yet. It's a Mardi Gras episode. <laughs> that would be awesome. <laughs> so, yeah, um, I did watch the Ted Lasso Christmas special. It was awesome. There were a lot of like really fun storylines that um, they all kind of blended nicely there at the end. And it was nice to see like how much, um, like not necessarily how much has changed, but just how closely bonded all the characters are now when it felt like before they were all so disparate. So that was kind of nice. And, you know, I look forward to rewatching it at Christmas time. So then I also watched uh, the new Netflix movie Vivo, which is an animated movie starring Lin-Manuel Miranda as a kinkajou. And the premise of the movie is that this kinkajou um, has to team up with somebody um, who he doesn't like to deliver this message um, of love. Um, I don't want to spoil too much for you, but oh man, (laughs) 20 minutes in and they got me. I was just like in tears. I'm like, how dare you? It's like, even though, I mean, you kind of get an idea that it might happen, but then it does. And you're like, no, screw you movie. (laughs) Um, But the end, the beginning and the end are really, really solid. Um, But the middle, it really drags. And I was just like waiting. I'm like, can we get to the destination, please? Like, I'm so tired of um, so there, he has to go to Miami to deliver this message and there's like all this shenaniganery along the way. So they keep having to take all these like detours and new routes and things like that. And there's this section where they just get lost in the Everglades for some reason. And there's like a talking snake who tries to eat them. And it feels very much like, I don't know, like B level animated movie. Whereas I felt like the beginning and the end were just like like they were Pixar worthy, you know, it felt kind of like, like soul or inside out or something like that. Um, But it it is a musical, obviously with Lin-Manuel Miranda. Um, He does sing a lot of the songs, but not all of them. And some of them are really good, but others, they felt almost like copy pasted. Like there wasn't a unique enough sound between some of the songs. So it's pretty good. I'd recommend people check it out, especially if you've got young kids and they're into that kind of thing. But yeah, be prepared for some for some tears. Um, if you're like me and wondering what a kinkajou is, a kinkajou is a tropical rainforest mammal of the family. I can't pronounce that. It basically looks like a uh, meerkat crossed with a bear. It's kind of like a monkey-looking deal. But yeah. A monkey with a meerkat face. Yeah, he kind of looks like a monkey in the movie. And they just keep calling him a kinkajou, so. I, I had no know. idea that was an animal until I Wikipedia'd it not just now. I feel like I've heard of it before, but, I mean, I don't really care. Anyway, um, also on Netflix, um, new documentary dropped, which I don't, you know, I don't watch documentaries, but I've always been morbidly fascinated with the subject matter of this. And so I was like, I gotta check this out. 
Um, it's called Untold Malice at the Palace, which is about a November 2004 fight um, at an NBA game that involved not only NBA players, but also NBA fans. And it was just like this huge thing, had a lot of um, both like uh, repercussions within the NBA and also um, like a criminal investigation was started and like they had charges filed against them for the different assaults and people were like throwing chairs and all this stuff. Um, it got really out of hand and I, I knew about it. Um, I don't know. Like, it's just, I have, they, they, they really in the documentary, they kind of lean more toward the player's side and they try to tell it from their perspective uh, which I understand, um, especially because some of the players were like, I never want to talk about this again. This is the only time I'm ever going to do a documentary about this. I want to leave it behind me. And that's a really important angle. And they do incorporate other people who were there, but they don't focus so much on their side of the story. And I, I feel like it was trying to do like a little bit of, um, I don't know, like just try to take like, oh, oh, they're not really all that guilty of what they did and I don't know it, it it felt like it was trying to like take the the sin or the stain of the thing away from them and I'm like I don't think that that's really fair because yes the fans were equally involved but it was still the decision of the players to go into the stands and try to fight people which was a, yeah and they don't the players themselves don't necessarily like try to absolve themselves they're like, you know, I know I did wrong, but they're also, you know, the fans were also in the wrong for what they did. And I don't know. I felt like the documentary was kind of trying to absolve some of it, but I, I don't know. I Other things I've seen about it, even just like YouTube videos took a more neutral approach and just said, hey, everybody was responsible for this and everybody got punished. Um, I do think I agree with the the opinions that the NBA was really, really harsh toward the players. And the one, he's now called Meta World Peace, but he uh, used to go by Ron Artest. And he was kind of the main instigator of like going into the stands. And he got suspended for the rest of the season. And he thought that that was really unfair. And all these other players, like two other players on his team got suspended for at least a dozen games because of their actions and so they were saying that it was a really harsh punishment. And I, I guess I can see that. Like, it was really excessive. But as far as I know, nothing like that had ever happened before. And I don't think anything like that's ever happened since. So I can understand why the NBA really tried to save face and really came down hard on the players. So anyway, well, check yeah, it out. It's called that, Untold. They, they, sorry, they do that on any time in sports when something that crazy happens is they want to make an example out of the players because they don't want any other players to do that again. Right. But it, the it's, uh, argument it, from one of the, I think it was even like the DA um, or the prosecutor who said that, you know, the NBA had a harsher sentence toward them than even the law did. Cause they only got charged with misdemeanors. It wasn't even like a felony mm -hmm. or anything. Yeah. But anyway, it's called untold malice at the palace. It just dropped on Netflix. I think like last week. So check that out if you want. And let's see. Also, I haven't talked about it recently, but I'm caught up again on the Owl House. 
They just had their mid-season finale, um, left us on a little bit of a cliffhanger. Um, It's still just a really, really great show. It gives you a lot of time with these characters and getting to um, see just like the different dimensions of everybody, not just like the good guys. Um, There's the one antagonist who you you get the feeling like he's going to be coming over to the good side pretty soon. Um, And then just like they keep, just like these little hints of, you know, blink and you'll miss it kind of like details of like, oh, that that points to this thing, which connects to that. So that means that this character could be this character. And it's just like fun to see people like theorizing and building on all these like cool not conspiracies, but just these different ideas that, you know, it's a really, put to- really well put together show. So the Owl House, check it out. And uh, that's all I've been watching. Zach? Oh, I watched a lot of things. So buckle up. Um, <laughs> I, um, I've been doing some research on a couple different directors. So I was going through some of their filmographies. Um, first of all, I went back to Chaplin and I rewatched The Gold Rush. But this time I decided to try the um, version that Chaplin re-released with sound and voiceover added to it. And um, the the beautiful part of a mute button is that at a certain point it got a little too unbearable so i just turned off the sound and watched the movie silent with no score (laughs) um and i was texting ryan throughout it going like i think it's still worth watching as a curio but it's it doesn't work the same as watching it as a silent feature i understand why Chaplin did it it just uh doesn't work for me personally um, on the flip side of that, I rewatched City Lights, which is a movie that brought sound design into it, but doesn't have any talking, and that's still a masterpiece um, in uh, in the in the version that we have. So I uh, I really enjoyed watching in both films, just kind of studying Chaplin's movements and the way everything is blocked and choreographed is so precisely like a ballet. Um, the in City Lights in particular, he perfects the boxing scenes from previous shorts, um, and it's just a wonder to watch. It is like literally just like watching a lo- wonderful, lovely ballet. Um, and the transfers on these films are look look fantastic. And it, it there's only one thing in City Lights that looks like they just couldn't restore part of the print um everything else looks like it was literally being shot yesterday um and one of the beauty beautiful parts of silent films of that era is watching when they go out on location and run and gun it um and actually get cityscapes and it's not studio bound and you can clearly see that they're out on a location um and learning a little bit more about chaplin's uh independence from the from the factory mentality of the studio system is quite impressive because he was one of the only filmmakers who had the money to basically just run his own operation as he saw fit and the deal that he had with i believe was first national said like we we won't interfere you take as long as you need to make each movie you're making and that's a hell of a deal that i don't think anybody will ever get again um and then i started digging into some sam fuller and one of the films that I watched was I shot Jesse James. Uh, this is one of his first films. Um, and it had been a while since I had seen the 2007 film assassination of Jesse James by the coward, Robert Ford. 
this film is not three hours. Uh, I shot Jesse James is only an hour and 21 minutes and it fictionalizes heavy portions of the way uh, Bob Ford meets his demise. Um, it's beautifully shot and wonderfully acted. Um, and from moment one, you start seeing Sam Fuller's more um, out there spirit. Um, and it's uh, like the opening shot. There are no words. It's uh, a, a bank holdup that goes wrong and it's, it gets brutal pretty quick within the first, I want to say minute it gets, it gets absolutely brutal for a 1949 movie. Um, and it's allowed to be much more um, uh, challenging than I would have expected a movie of this length and um, at this era to be. Um, they do give the actor playing Bob Ford a lot of moments to, sink into his uh into the things that will bring his downfall um at the hands of kelly um and they fictionalize kelly a lot in this film in order to give some dramatic heft to bob ford's demise eventually and but it's it's wonderful it's on hbo max if anybody wants to check it out it's a really solid western of the era um that i think is allowed to go into places that others aren't um and then I moved over from that Western to Rio Bravo from 1959, directed by Howard Hawks, who's the other subject that I'm looking into. Um, I, I think Rio Bravo is one of two John Wayne movies that I genuinely enjoy. Um, and part of it has to do with the fact that those two movies were, are where John Wayne is not necessarily the central focus. And Rio Bravo in particular, the real like through line story that you see is actually Dean Martin as dude. Um, who's a washed up alcoholic gunman who gets sober um, in order to help defend with John Wayne and Ricky Nelson, um, the, a prisoner that has been arrested because of a fight he got into, into with dude. You read um, that cast list and it's still, every time I hear it, I go, one of two of these don't fit into a Western, but you know. Well, yeah, no Dean, actually, I'm glad you bring that up, Brian, because have you watched the movie? Yeah, I've seen it. Yeah, I I will say that every time I watch it, Dean Martin impresses the shit out of me. Like he's just he's just so damn solid. His his vocal tone doesn't belong in the western, but I believe him there. Um, Ricky Nelson's pretty damn good. Um, he's the one character in the main group of guys who I think he gets the least characterization, but he's still kind of given something to do um i think a big uh, his biggest moment is when he's playing guitar and singing in the uh jailhouse with martin and uh walter uh, walter brennan playing the harmonica um which by the way walter brennan legendary character actor of the era he's fantastic in this as he is in pretty much everything he did at that time um but for those who don't know the plot of rio bravo it is about this you know, group of lawmen who are defend, who are trying to uh, keep a prisoner in jail before the marshals show up. Um, and the town that they are occupying is under siege by the brother of the person they have locked up. Um, if anybody's seen Assault on Precinct 13, it's basically an urban version of Rio Bravo, um, only way shorter and uh, way more violent. Um, uh, both actually would it would actually make a really good double bill to just do those side by side and watch what Carpenter lifts off of it. Um, 
but it's Hawks showing that he still has it at this time in 59. And, um, you know, the, the movie, the movies he makes are a lot about outsiders kind of coming together and, um, and female characters with a tough, uh, tough demeanor about them. Uh, in Rio Bravo, you have Angie Dickinson really killing it in that, uh, performance. Um, she's way too, she, there's a May December relationship going on between her and Wayne, but, you could feel it. And I will say it's, it's one of those films where I feel like I'm not, a, as I've said before, I'm not a big John Wayne fan for a lot of reasons, but I love whenever people are able to get John Wayne to feel humbled um, and, and have humility. And this film provides a lot of moments for that. So um, that, that might factor into why I appreciate the film and him in it. Um, but it's a, it's a beautiful looking Western It's two hours and 41 minutes. So you get a full experience and it's just miraculous. Um, and then I rewatched only angels have wings, uh, from 1939 with Cary Grant and, uh, Gene Arthur and Zigrid Sigruman. Um, and I was texting Ryan throughout the entire watching of it going like, I, that the movie keeps getting closer to my top Cary Grant spot. Um, there's just so much about Cary Grant's performance in it that I admire to death. I think I, I didn't really elaborate with this with D Ryan, but I'll say it here on the show. Like I think part of the reason in addition to the Sig Ruman factor um, is that there are so many characters in only angels have wings that each, each one of them is delivering something unique that only that actor can provide so the whole experience feels lively and real and rich. Um, so like Cary Grant obviously stands out, but he's one of many interesting characters you get to follow, whether it's the pilot who has to redeem himself, uh, Rita Hayworth's character, who's, you know, trying to figure out how to love a flyboy when they're always in constant danger. Um, and, um, um, you've got the kid who's got the grudge with the former pilot, with the pilot who, um, was responsible for his brother's death. Um, and Sig Grumman's character makes me cry in it. It's just fantastic to watch. And Ryan, yeah, I, I say that it's the uh, coolest Cary Grant has been in a movie. I don't, I agree with you um, because there is that there, there is something magical about the moment at the very end when he flips the coin, because we, I mean, we already know. We, we already know even even with the factory mentality of a Hollywood ending intact, we already know because of his character, because of what he dealt with, with that coin flip earlier in the film. But there is something about him being so sure that everything will work out that when he walks out that door and when Gene Arthur smiles, like we are in her shoes, we, we are, we are <laughs> elated. Like I would agree. It is his coolest performance. I still put Mr. Lucky at number one because I, I honestly think Brian, it's because that's the Cary Grant movie that surprised me the most. Yeah. And I, and I do, do appreciate a good surprise. Um, and then uh, I rewatched the adventures of Robin Hood at film club. That movie is still amazing and still fantastic. And Oh my God, all the stories, stars in that movie you've got flynn you've got to have one you got rathbone reigns you've got una o'connor uh, alan hale like th th that is like one of the most stacked casts of any movie of the golden age period it's masterfully directed it looks amazing uh i love 
I love looking at the final sword fight sequence and drawing it to Spielberg has a great moment on a Curtiz documentary where he talks about how much he admired the silhouetted shot that moves from the actors to the shadows on um, uh, up against the castle walls uh, and how he could never figure it out. And then he finally figured it out when he was doing Raiders of the Lost Ark. Like it, it's, it's so cool to connect the dots on that movie. Um, it, it's fantastic. And Olivia, I think that's still my favorite Olivia to have one movie because of just, it's, it exemplifies what we remember about Olivia to have one, but she also gives this really strong performance amidst a sea of other strong performances going on throughout. Um, uh, so yeah, it, it, it's still a beautiful movie. You should watch it. Um, and then I went away from the golden age of Hollywood and watched two newer things. Uh, first of all, I saw pig, uh, Nicholas Cage's newest joint. Um, that movie was incredible. Brad, I, I was shocked. I, I did not expect that movie to do what it did. <laughs> yeah. It, it uh, definitely plays on your expectations. Yeah. I, that was a smart marketing campaign. That was a really smart marketing campaign. Um, and Brad's already talked more about it, much more about it in eloquence. I, I will just say that this is the, it's not my favorite Nicolas Cage performance in the last 10 years, but it's objectively the best one he's given in 10 years. Um, it's just so rich and so full of heart. Uh, I, I, I really think Ryan would like this movie um, because of how unexpected it is. Um, it's pretty slow though. <laughs> that's the, yes, that is the one thing that makes, makes it hard to recommend because if you're not into a slow burn, the movie will drag on your nerves. But if you can, if you can sit with it, it's a 90 minute movie. If you can sit with it, you will be rewarded. I absolutely guarantee you will be rewarded. Um, and I liked um, Adam Arkin um, as Alex Wolf's father in the movie. Um, the, uh, the guy who steals the pig. And uh, I uh, spoilers. <laughs> oh, come on. Come on. We know Ryan's going to take forever to watch this movie. Um, <laughs> uh, how do you know? The fuck? <laughs> All right. Next week, we're seeing Pig on Real Nerds Podcast. No. Um, well, I don't need no. you now. You already spoiled it. Okay. Fair enough. Um, but the reason I bring him up is because this, there's a scene near the end where he explodes that... Literally. Uh, <laughs> I'm Adam Arkin. <laughs> um, there's a scene near the end where he unloads on Cage in a way where I was just like, I was floored by the amount of emotion that was packed into the scene. Um, and there's, and the, the whole idea of this underground culture of Portland restaurants is absolutely fascinating. Like it, it's, it seems like that's something that would have just thrown me off to the point where I wouldn't get on board with this movie, but I was just along for the ride. Like I, I, there's a certain point where you just settle into what this world is. And I think, I think it's definitely one of the key points in it is when they, at the very beginning, they go to that, uh, tr that truffle market and they are inquiring about the people who own this green van and, the woman is well, like none of my watch <laughs> yeah exactly she gets like she just gets fucking furious like the most some of the best moments of this movie are when the energy goes from zero to a hundred in an intelligent way 
like that moment there and then it just the the editing speeds up and they confront those guys in their trailer and they're clearly clearly strung out it's oh god it's wonderful it's not the movie you're thinking it's gonna be and that's all for the better like i really hope people look at this and give nicholas cage a little bit more credit um for what he's what chances he's willing to take in a market that doesn't always necessarily allow that. Um, and then the last thing that I really dug into this week was uh, on Disney plus the Imagineering story. Um, that was mind boggling to see the evolution of the parks. Um, it's the, my biggest quibble with it is by the time we get to the end, it is a, it feels like, like it's a Bob Iger piece um, because the first four installments are very, very upfront and honest with the detriments to uh, whether it's Walt or Roy's um, ambitions in the parks or more specifically the uh, Michael Eisner regime. Uh, and uh, it was just kind of an interesting extension off of an old, an old told story about the building of Disneyland. I loved that we got like what happens after it opens, like how many of these attractions were still in development when Walt died. Um, and then were finished afterwards because there was, he had that much confidence in his team. Um, the building of Epcot was very interesting and in how Epcot went from what Walt had envisioned as that planned development community into what it's become is, is quite interesting. Uh, the building of Disney parks outside of the U.S. I think was the most interesting one because they talk about how there's this very uh, this is very tough challenge ahead of them to blend the culture that they live in that that they're where they're building the park with the Disney IP and how do you solve those problems and you get to watch craftsmen at work building technology or creating art. Uh, it's very very wonderful to look at and watch uh the the benefit of that final those final two episodes is that you do get to see this innovation and technology that's currently happening at the park that i wasn't even in tune with i i mean you i know about the building of the millennium falcon and uh, the addition of the avatar ride to the park but i had no idea that they built a whole new pirates ride for disneyland shanghai i think it is um and watching the development of the cruise boats, which is something that I don't think about with Disney because I've, I'll never be able to afford those cruises. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a wonderful documentary series. I do check recommend you check it out. Um, it's, it's, it's pretty damn delightful if you're a Disney fan. And even if you're just a fan of the history of theme parks and the, Oh, and the last thing I'll say about it, the debacle over California adventure and how they overhauled that, I will say that that's my favorite part of the whole Bob Iger element of it is showing how he overhauled it. Um, in spite of what I said about the back half being more like this big Bob Iger propaganda piece, uh, the overhaul of California adventure is easily one of the most fascinating things about it. And just how do you take something that was kind of a botched idea and retool it for Disney? So like the building of the cars land was incredible to watch. Uh, and that, uh, uh, the the water fountain that shoots up different colors and they create this whole water show dedicated to the wonderful world of color. Like it, it's wonderful. 
So yeah, if you haven't seen it, I would recommend you check it out. And that's all I watched this week. Hey, Corinne, you forgot to tell us about something. Yes, I forgot to tell all of you that I, I didn't get to go see Free Guy this week, but I did go see Respect, which is the Aretha Franklin biopic um, starring Jennifer Hudson. Ah. And it's uh, it's pretty good. It's a little long. And I think, um, I don't know, I, I felt like there was just not like a real like rise and fall to it. Like, I was wondering, like, when when is this movie going to end exactly? And then we kind of get to the sequence at the end, and I'm like, is this it? And then it ended, and I was like, oh, okay. But, um, yeah, it's just, um, you know, very interesting uh, movie and getting to learn about her, um, her life and just her career. And she had to go through a lot of shit to get to where she ended up, you know, as the queen of soul. And did a lot of men in her life that kind of both helped and hindered her along the way. And, uh, yeah, like I said, it's, a, it's pretty good. I think it's worth seeing. Um, maybe not in the theater, but, you know, if it's on VOD or something. Um, but, yeah, I think it just needed some, some like, pacing rework or something. But, like, Jennifer Hudson just totally kills it. Um, she disappeared into the role for me. And the music's great. So I say check it out. Yeah, I, I would say Aretha Franklin makes great music. <laughs> but uh, I, I read that Jennifer Hudson uh, re-records them all. Yeah, I, it sounds like it's her vocals, not Aretha's. But it was nice at the very end. Um, they do kind of, like not like a montage, but they do show different clips of um, actual Aretha Franklin um, and kind of later in life because it, the story ends, I guess, mild spoilers. She's like maybe in her 30s or 40s. And of course, Aretha Franklin lived to be like 70s or 80s. So the clips at the very end that play over the credits um, kind of go through like some of the things that she did later in her life and some of the awards and honors she received. And it's kind of nice that the actual queen got to have the last word in her movie. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I just watched a couple things this week. I, I've been watching Buffy again. Fun show. Uh, if you haven't watched it, you should. It's on Amazon Prime. I'm on like, I think season three. Good times. Had by all with snappy one-liners. Uh, I watched uh, What If, uh, the new Marvel series on Disney+. Oh, yeah, Plus. So <laughs> and it, Me it's too. Fun. I forgot to talk about that. It's fun. I, I I always love Peggy Carter, and I actually have uh, the comic where she becomes Captain Carter. Uh, they did this cool comic in Marvel, I think three years ago, two, three years ago, where it's called Exiles, and it was a bunch of characters that are basically what-if characters. Like So it's Captain Carter, and then there's a little cartoon, Wolverine, and it's a really bizarre comic, but it's really fun. Um, but yeah, I had fun with it. Um, I, I read online that some of the they didn't like the animation, but I thought the, the some of it was pretty great when through the action scenes where she was like crashing through uh, planes and stuff and fucking people up. I, I was I was on board with it. That's yeah, it's criticism. definitely yeah, it's more in the comic book style than it is in like the traditional animation. Like the line work isn't quite the same, but I mean, I think once you get used to it, it's really nice looking. Yeah, it's cool. They got mostly original people doing the voices. 
yeah, yeah I didn't I, realize that until the credits roll at the end I'm like wow they were the real people oh okay I know the only two dicks who didn't do it were Chris Evans and Robert Downey Jr. <laughs> but, Robert no, Downey Jr. he was yeah. in there well Are no he's, he's he's in it later but he's not doing Tony Stark ah, and, and Chris Evans didn't do uh, Steve Rogers right um, but no I, I think it's fun I mean it's it's like all what even the what if comics it they're really fun but then the ending scenes always really rush to me that's saying oh look at this cool idea oh wait we got to end this thing well, <laughs> the whole episode is just a condensed version of the first avenger <laughs> movie yeah right with uh Cap- captain carter instead of steve rogers so yeah it's yeah, like, it's, all like it's like all the best parts of the movie just like condensed and and, and next week is uh chadwick boseman is uh going to be voicing t'challa so that will be really great to hear again. Star-Lord um, T'Challa. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that was fun. And uh, the only other thing I watched this week is I <laughs> I did the, do the series called Blue Buried, and I got away from it for a little bit. And I don't know why. Just I don't know. I started watching stuff I wanted to watch. <laughs> um, but I decided uh, after talking to Zach, I'm just going to randomly pick one. I literally have my bottom shelves with movies I've purchased and I haven't watched. I might've seen I'm the film. Sorry. I'm very sorry about this, by the way. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> I may have seen the film, but I have the Blu-ray I haven't watched yet. So I closed my eyes and just grabbed one. And I happened to grab 2015's Fantastic Four. And uh, I will say the Blu-ray is really cool. So the disc, um, I'm talking about the disc, not the movie. The disc um, <laughs> has uh, Johnny Storm blasting through it, so it's clear and uh, glasses kind of shattering, and so he's coming from left to right, so it looks like he broke through a window. And I was like, "Man, they really put a lot of thought into the printing of this disc." Um, so that was really cool. And then, you know, I didn't remember the movie at all, and I I saw it in theaters. We did a show about it. Um, and, and as I'm watching it, I said, man, this is really fucking boring. <laughs> and it's, it's a superhero movie where there's really no super heroics in it. It's all about how depressed we are having superpowers. And, you know, the Fantastic Four, to me, should be a fun family kind of film um, where, you know, they're going to go to the negative zone or space or go underground and fight Mole Man, or Doctor Doom, you know, this, there are a bunch of whiny little brats who are in this advanced college, or I don't even know what the fuck it is, I guess college, and they create a portal to a negative world, I guess supposed to be the negative zone from comics, and they bring along Victor Von Doom, who is this arrogant computer fucktard, I don't know, and so they get sucked in there and then Dr. Doom falls into green lava. <laughs> I don't fucking know what happens. It, uh, it's basically trying to s- make it that the Fantastic Four are cursed with these powers. And they, um, Reed Richards goes on the run. Um, I mean, Ben Grimm is kind of similar. I mean, he's in the comics, he always struggles with being the thing. Uh-huh. But he's also known as the ever-loving thing. And in this one, he's just a fucking wet towel. And 
it not only did it ruin the Fantastic Four, but I mean, Josh Trank is such a prick. And I went back and I mean, this movie pretty much ruined his career too. Uh, Kate Mara talked multiple times about how horrible he was. And I remember he, he was supposed to do a Star Wars movie. And then he burned all those bridges with uh, Fox during that time. Yeah. And he hasn't really done a movie since. He did that Capone movie. Yeah, the, the Capone movie that no one's talking about. Yeah, it's uh, so wow. he's it's just it's just so dour and so down. And I don't know. And you, you take Dr. Doom is considered one of the greatest comic book villains of all time. And in this, he falls into green lava and is able to make people explode just by thinking about him at, or looking at him. But he can't do that to the Fantastic Four for some reason. I don't know. It, it, it doesn't make any sense at all. Isn't and this a I, villain that's supposed to run an entire country? We haven't gotten him right in three fucking movies. <laughs> I know. I, I love the fact that he has diplomatic immunity when he's in the United <laughs> States. <laughs> There's this great Spider-Man comic where Spider-Man is trying to like take him down, but he can't because he's, you know, he has diplomatic immunity. He's lethal weapon too in a Spider-Man comic. Yeah. And, but I don't know. It's just, it, it goes into, I, I don't know. It's I forgot, weird. I forgot to mention like three months ago, I rewatched this on Disney plus. Yeah. And I, and I fell asleep shortly after like, Ben Grimm and Reed Richards like start becoming friends and like form their little like secret garage or whatever. Yeah. Or they're like, like mini Apple thing. Yeah. Uh, Cause yeah, it's, it's pretty boring. It's boring. And like, it's, and then take like know, a left I, turn in the finale. Yeah. And it's, yeah. You know, Dr. Doom is able to mind melt people, make them explode. And, but it's so bizarre. And, um, then I watched the special features and Kate Mara was talking about how um, Josh Trank wanted them to, you know, it hurts to be a superhero. And then I got that and you could tell the reshoots are the final act. And Miles Teller is phoning it in at the end. Uh, it's just, it's painful. Um, there is some cool things in it. Um but I, I don't. I think they did the Fantastic Four dirty by trying to make it dark and really grounded. And you know, I, I've always said you don't have to make superheroes dark, and it really only works for people like Batman and Daredevil. You know, it it doesn't work for the Fantastic Four. Howard the Duck. <laughs> Howard the Duck is just too weird. I mean, <laughs> if they make a weird movie. I heard Leah Thompson is like jonesing to direct it, and I'm totally on board with that because she's a great director now. So I'm down with that idea too. <laughs> do it. Um, so yeah, and that's what I watched this week. Um, this week on Real Nerds Podcast, we saw Free Guy. Zach, should people see Free Guy? Yeah, it's really cute. Very adorable movie. Um, I only had like one or two minor quibbles about it, but overall it's a lot of fun. And Ryan Reynolds is killing it as he has, he has been the last couple of movies he's been on um, the Hitman bodyguard, notwithstanding because I still haven't seen those films. Um, and, uh, and I love Taika Waititi in the movie. I fucking love him to death in the movie. So yeah. Um, yeah. I would check it out. A lot of fun. Brad. I, I don't I don't get it. Like, I, I don't understand why people love it. I feel like I'm taking crazy pill pills. Uh, 
I was so bored and like, it was so cringy to me. Like it is fun in places and has a lot of great cameos, but overall I was just like, what is this movie trying to say? Like it was so frustrating. And so just like I squirmed my chair with all like the cringe factor of it, of a lot of stuff. It's, it's like ready player one, but they just added Ryan Reynolds to it. Uh, I mean, I'll, I'll totally disagree with Brad. I had I, this is one of my favorite movies so far this year. I think it's really fun. Um, yeah, I I think you. Uh, it, yeah, it's it's just a silly movie, but you're drawn into it by the charm of Ryan Reynolds and his co-stars. And it was a movie where I didn't know if I really wanted to see it. And then, you know, obviously it's one of the only movies that came out this week and I decided to see it and I had a lot of fun with it. Here's the trailer for Free Guy. My name is Guy. Sunday should be warm and sunny. Just a scattering of drive-bys. And I live in paradise. I've got a best friend. This is the greatest cup of coffee of all time. Oh, Mondays, am I right, Joe? You said it, Guy. Yeah. And I work at the bank. Everybody's out of the bank! I thought I had everything I needed. But then I met her. Everybody down on the ground. Everybody except you. Me? It's just a... Oh, please, I have a goldfish. There's something inside you, guy. I don't want something inside me. I expected you to just follow the rules, but you are so much more than that. Put these on. Okay. Fine. I do. Oh, my God! What are these, trick glasses or something? Guy, there is no easy way to say this. This world, it's a video game. You're not real. We sat my... And the guy responsible for this world was going to destroy it. You've met God? Yes, he's an absolute troll. Trolls exist. Buddy, if we're not real, doesn't that mean that nothing you do matters? I am sitting here with my best friend trying to help him get through a tough time. Now, if that's not real, I don't know what is. I know this world is just a game, but this place, these people, that's all I have. So I'm not going to be the good guy. Thanks, guy. I'm going to be the great guy. Well, enjoy your lifetime supply of virginity. <laughs> Off you go. This whole good guy routine is ruining the game. Woo! Terminator. It's the first time I've ever driven a car before. I really wish you'd mention that. Yeah. Yeah. Why? That actually hurt my hand. We can save our world, but we have to fight together. I don't know what's happening right now, but I love it. Nope. I can't die. I'm never gonna die. Free Guy is a movie that takes place in, I'm guessing, uh, Fortnite-style kind of game where it's just a free-for-all, and you kill a bunch of people, and you steal their money, and then you use that to buy new skins. And Ryan Reynolds is an NPC, a non-playable character who starts deciding he wants more in life and starts going against what he's supposed to do. And Mm -hmm. by doing that, he incurs the wrath of 
first uh, a couple of programmers who are a bunny and a cop, and then talk talk Waititi's crazy fuck. What's his name? Devitt uh, Antoine Antoine Antoine. And he and yeah, so he's a runner of this game publisher called Tsunami, and they're getting ready to relaunch. The game's called Free City. It's Free City Two, um, but. Uh, behind all that is a couple of kids developed a game code where the AI kind of adapts to it and learns. And it was stolen by Anton and one of them works for the company and the other is trying to infiltrate the game and find her code in the game. And so she gets, that's where we meet, meet Maltov lady. What were you saying, Brad? So she can sue them. Because yeah, 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 yeah. No, um, and in the process, she also falls in love with the guy AI, which uh, leads to the emotional climax of the film. Um, it, it, you're 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 right, Ryan. It's it it has a lot of like that fun pop. It's a it's it's got a fun poppy vibe to it, and I think ultimately that's what sold me on the experience because I did. Yeah, it's- you know, you turn your brain off a little bit and you just have fun with this, all the movie magic and it works the way it's supposed to for the most part. And I think so. And it's, you're hinging on the Ryan Reynolds character and he's great in it. He's lots of fun. Um, <clears throat> you know, it's, I, I hate social media sometimes, um, but then I was redeemed. I uh, was scrolling through Twitter and there was an article, I can't remember is a variety or Hollywood reporter and it said, how did they get that cameo? And so I didn't open the article, but when I went in and I saw Channing Tatum at the beginning, I'm like, oh man, that's the, <laughs> that's a great cameo. But if you want to know how to use uh, your company's IPs the correct way, not like Space Jam, A New Legacy, um, look no further than Free Guy with uh, Captain America and the Avenger theme. And then of course, uh, Luke Skywalker's lightsaber. And, yeah. uh, and Star Wars. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't know. I had a lot of fun in it. Um, I guess Brad is just cold hearted. I guess yeah. so. I feel bad. Like, every, I like I watched it. I was like, man, this thing is going to flop. And all I read is just critically how everyone is in love with it. I'm like, I feel like I watched a different movie. Uh, like, do I just suck? Like, what's going on? Like, <laughs> no, why, why don't I love this? Like, I don't know. Sorry, what, friend? Oh, that's how I felt about the Suicide Squad last week. I'm like, is something wrong with me? Why am I the only one who doesn't like this movie? So, Brad, you said cringy. Uh, so, can you elaborate on that? Uh, yeah, like um, in, in cliched. Um, so it's it's very much like Ready Player One, where uh, there's this character who um, falls for an AI. Um, and they're like the secret, they're, they're like the key to unlocking the whole game. And there's also like, um, uh, like a rift among the, the programming company where, uh, you know, these characters have, you know, there's a history of screwing each other over, like in both movies. Right. Um, so like already there's that. And then just like, I'm so tired of like, the storyline of the the programmer kids so like one secretly has feelings for the other but it's it's a, this unrequited love story like i'm just so tired of that 
Has that happened a lot? Um, I don't have like a specific example, but I just feel like overall, like when they do a set of programmers, like that's the story, you know? So tell us what a programmer is really like, Brad. I don't know. Like uh, this is not my experience. Like it feels like <laughs> like a, a jock wrote like how nerds are supposed to like be nerds. Does that make sense? I I could see that. I uh, can I flip it in a different direction that would explain why I enjoyed it because I I could give you know me being a person who is like devoid of the video game phenomenon and how a programmer is supposed to act and don't act. I could care less. I looked at I liked how they took very very tried and true romantic comedy methodology and spun it together in a way that like i think actually ended up working in the correct way if you're gonna do something that's cheesy i think this film managed to do it correctly to the point where it was so it had the enjoyment factor because something i appreciate about the guy character like you know, by the time we get to the end of the film, you know, like the trailer, the trailer sold it as like AI falls in love with real world human. How's that going to work? Guy's dilemma, which, you know, is very surface level Truman show light, but it does work from a very simplistic quality that I think is absolutely meritable given if you're going to do an original story of this nature with such a big scale like it does get all the all the beats that it needs to correctly like Sean Levy's good at this because if you watch real steel like he employs similar methodology it's funny i i love real steel and i don't i think as the only real nerd who liked it too yeah it's i think that he's a filmmaker that knows how to work with cheesy material and do it in a way that doesn't feel disingenuous now i will say I have an issue, only one issue really with the movie, and it is also a part of the movie that I had a blast watching, which is the way they use the IP, because only because there's a speech that Taika Waititi gives that is brilliant about why people want IP and want sequels and don't want original ideas, and there's a wonderful idea in there. I feel like using the IP cuts it cut undercuts a wonderful point that they're making. It doesn't completely demolish it, but it, but it is one of those things where I'm just like, don't give me that monologue. If you're then going to reference that and also get Chris Evans in for that cameo. I don't think it, it, it doesn't take away from the movie at all, but I did find it a weird double standard. And I don't always appreciate Disney doing that because they did that in Dumbo with the theme park analogy, and I hated that. Um, but outside of that, you know, I love that at the end of this movie, it's just Guy like gives that wonderful speech about like, you know, like, you know okay, I'll 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 say it for you, like uh, Guy, you're it's wonderful, and I love hanging out in this world with you, but I can't live in this world forever. Like he just gives the speech that she would give to him. And his ultimate like happy ending is he gets to hang out with his best friend again and they just get to go do whatever the fuck they want. Like it's, there is something charming and heartwarming about that, you know? Um, but I could understand if it feels disingenuous. No, you don't understand. Brad's wrong. <laughs> Was there a post credits scene to this movie? Cause my theater just ended the show at the credits for me. Uh, no. Okay. Cause I, uh, I was totally thought like, like yelling at me. He's like, dad, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> See, he thought it was stupid too. No, Kellen loved it. 
And he, he laughed really hard at the part where he's like, good fucking morning, Goldie. <laughs> That's the other thing is too, like, I felt like the, uh, you know, I went to this movie thinking it was like a kind of a teenage level, like rated movie. And it's like all over the place. Like there's sometimes cartoonish violence. Sometimes there's like horrible, realistic violence. Um, you know, there, there's an F bomb. <laughs> there's this general silliness. Like I kept thinking in my head, like, what is this movie actually rated? Cause I'm not sure anymore. Like, is it R <laughs> like, and I missed it. <laughs> No, I love PG-13. They get like, the one fuck in. There's some like like crude double entendres to like sexual acts. <laughs> like I'm like uh, this is this can't be a kids movie, right? <laughs> Dude, there was there was R-rated trailers in the uh, prior to the screening of this PG-13 movie. So I think the I think the MPAA has become absolutely fucking irrelevant at this point. <laughs> like I don't care it about that be. stuff. I was just so confused about the tone of the movie. Sometimes, um, no. I, I love when he wasted that. Uh, character at the beginning and he says he's just snapping really really <laughs> silently <laughs> the dude um, has a huge hole in him <laughs> yeah but yeah like i there, i thought there were some good moments like i like the avengers moment and that cameo um like what dude <laughs> dude yeah dude was fun even though like he's tough to look at because it's like a floating ryan Reynolds <laughs> face um is as much as well as they tried to do like make that look real um it's i still... can bench press sentences <laughs> Yeah, the 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 Star Wars parts kind of fun, but yeah, I don't know. Just everything else just seemed like just too corny to me. Like, yep, Brad just has no heart. It, I I love. Can we can we t- pause for a moment to reflect on how wonderful Taika Waititi is as a human being? Because this performance was goddamn wonderful. The biggest- yeah, I can't remember what he said at all, but he was really funny. Yeah, he's he has um well there's two moments in it that stuck out for me. Well, three actually. One is when he gets down on the ground and he's thinking and then he tries to hop back up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, hop back up. Um and then uh another bit where they're talking about like let's have catchphrases for each catchphrases partner. One, two, three, get back to work. <laughs> um and then also when he's down in the um the server room. And he's got this axe. There's this manic energy that he gives to that axe swing that's across frame that I was just like, this is just, he is just, he is going for it in this performance. He is playing the ultimate douchebag in such a wonderfully perfect way. Um, it, it, like the moment I got done with it, I was just like, man, I'm going to rewatch Jojo Rabbit tonight to just watch Taika Waititi be fucking brilliant on screen. Um, it's, it, he's just magnificent. And I loved Channing Tatum's cameo. I thought that was <laughs> absolutely funny intercutting with his actual, um, uh, his actual user and, uh, his, the, that user's mom yelling, you're 22 and you're living my house. There is no God. <laughs> it's just, it was wonderful, magical stuff. So yeah. And little Ray Howard's good in it too. Very good. Oh yeah. He's awesome. Yeah. And but yeah, I, I get it, Brad. I, I totally get it. But I, get, I, th- I guess just Ryan and I just like our cheesy movies every so often. <laughs> you know what? Screw you two. Oh, come you know on. No, I like screw you, movies. Brad. Screw you. You don't no. like happy things. Uh, you think this is happy? This movie's a a, a, a slog. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I, I you know I gave it uh, two stars. I'm going to bump it down to one star. Screw Uh-oh. you guys. Uh oh. And I'm going to drop to the bottom of my list for the year. No! It's going. <laughs> Here, uh, Kellen wants to go. tell you about Free Guy. <laughs> Kellen, what is your favorite part about Free Guy? So the 
Can I say good morning to Goldie three times? <laughs> and then there was one part where he ran across the bridge and he made it to the yep. island. Yep. Dang right, he did. And that's what happened in Free Guy. I'm going to yep. put it right under separation. Good morning, Goldie. Oh, that is, that is completely that good is morning. Mean, Brad. Good fucking morning, Goldie. <laughs> <laughs> you love know when he says that. That's, <laughs> that's Kellen's favorite part in the movie. <laughs> good morning, Goldie. Good morning, Goldie. <laughs> he's looking at me like he's going to say it, but won't. I'm looking for the okay from Daddy. It, yeah, yo, yeah. He's he's looking for the approval button there, Ryan. He's, he doesn't want to get in trouble. I had this uh, under old and above spiral, but now it's going under separation because you guys that, suck. Again, you are a monster. You are an absolute monster, young man. Or oh, you're older than me. Never mind. Well, I guess I just learned that some AIs can't learn feelings. Hey, uh, is Brad an AI? Well, yeah, because he's Brad so bot. robotic with his <laughs> yeah, emotions. <that's> Brad bot. <laughs> and I know stuff about robots because I said old was robotic. So there. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not giving you. This country's gone insane. Everyone hates Suicide Squad but loves Free Guy. I can't do this anymore. <laughs> Brad, I love them both. See? There's Brad? room for everybody. Well, you must have a brain parasite. <laughs> Brad, Brad, I hope you step off that ledge, my friend. <laughs> Trying to get me to commit suicide? That's pretty dark. No, no, no dark. I hope you get, I hope you get away from the ledge, my friend. Come in and come and embrace the, the wonderfulness of free guy. <laughs> Again, this move this, You clearly look, don't know anything about third eye blind because people misinterpret their lyrics all the time. Oh, okay. Then, then, then clearly I don't I'm not a music guy by any stretch. Um, either I don't, don't know. I'm just making that up. I, I, <laughs> I know the first one's like about heroin or something. I don't yeah, uh, their main one. <laughs> I love how Brad's review of Free Guys started with, "I think I'm taking crazy pills," and it's ended with, "I don't know much about Third Eye Blind." <laughs> um, the trajectory is amazing, um, but yeah, again, like like I said, I address my quibbles with it. I I don't like when Dizzy does the self referential thing to try to make some kind of intelligent point that it has no right making considering what their bread and butter is at this point but i can't imagine this movie trying to be that deep it's so no, like it, oh no superficial and, and dumb and that that it was made before the merger so yeah that's that's true and it's so like i think that there is like this uh, but there is something like because the surface level works so well like you don't have to breathe breathe too much into it i did love the idea behind toxic gaming culture being addressed in it and i don't know much about the inner workings i know there's volatility across the board in certain respects but there's also positive gaming out, influences out there and so i liked the idea of all the all the NPCs having having enough of it and leaving all these players who are so dedicated to like uh, to like a violent conquest being left in the dirt with nothing to do like I mean I don't care about what you do in a video game but like the idea behind it is really interesting to do because in a lot of ways I'd say this is my favorite video game movie because it addresses what video games are at this point and what they can be and isn't trying to be disingenuous to an IP they're trying to adapt into a movie. Um, so like, I, I, I give it a lot of respect for what it, what it does get right, um, even if it gets a few small things wrong. 
Yep. Uh, I wish the movie week. was that. <laughs> <laughs> Instead, they gotta be like, "I'm gonna have the programmer fall in love with her own code, and then realize it's actually her her platonic friend's uh, code." Ooh. Hey, Ryan, that's a wonderful mm-hmm. moment in that movie. Do you want to come with me to the movie theater and rewatch Fall Free Guy again? <laughs> you know it. I gotta get all the references for the cringeworthy saccharine moments. Woohoo! Let's go. I'm buying the popcorn. <laughs> It'll be my fantasy. <laughs> You guys are dicks. I'm done with the show. <laughs> Is this the part where you say bye? <laughs> uh, next week, uh, we do have a choice again. The Hugh Jackman thriller Reminiscence is coming out. Woo! Nostalgia. Is, uh, the Night House, which is some horror movie. Um, I don't know what you guys want to watch. Uh, maybe I'll let our fans decide. Um, we actually ooh. have four choices. Yeah. I well, mean, one of them... Well, I'll- don't breathe twos out, but I don't think we're all into that. Um, no. And then the protege is also out. The protege. Oh, the uh, like oh, the John Wick with uh, kick ass chick one, right? Michael Keaton. Yeah. Oh yeah, Michael oh, Keaton, yeah, Maggie, Maggie Q, Q, and yeah, um, yeah uh, Sam and my beloved Sam Jackson. Yeah. Oh, um, you know what? Maybe, maybe I'll put it out in the social media world, and they can choose for us. Yeah, I think it's a good one for people to vote for us. A lot of options. Yeah, I'm curious I'm, about that reminiscence one. Like, yeah, the trailer has me hooked. I'm kind of just indifferent on all four, so whatever we end up choosing. Yeah, sure, uh, whatever. I mean, there's, it looks I like there's no like free. there's no happy go lucky ones, so you'll probably be good, Brad. <laughs> what? Don't be too. Looks like fun, you guys. Hey, 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 Ryan. <laughs> Ryan, can we review Free Guy again next week? Mm-hmm. <laughs> let's just turn this into the free guy podcast where we dissect minute by minute free guy yeah i'll do what brad did for teenage mutant ninja turtles i'll do a one minute commentary wait no, what wait what no we did a full commentary no, which you can find on real where brad would take each minute of ninja turtles and write about it oh that's what we were well that's that's still in development isn't it mr brad yeah i'm still working on that it hasn't been yeah. done yet coming soon so, I yeah, already... so, I'm gonna, so I'm gonna get free guy up before you, and I'm gonna steal your idea. Yeah, so, sorry, Brad. I am about to betray you because he needs a co-host for this. Yeah, suck. <laughs> Bring all this work into the shitty movie. You should be putting it into Suicide Squad or something. You know how you can get revenge on me? Just start your own Golden Age Hollywood podcast. <laughs> I'm gonna make the Realer Nerds podcast. The the real est nerds is that your backup suicide squad in case where the first one was just a distraction to get on the beach the uh the the uh what's the word gothic my brain doesn't work cinema like the forever real nerds podcast eternal eternal nerds podcast the eternal nerds podcast so they never stop being nerds whatever i'm poaching Henry, Corinne, and James leaving you guys behind. Dick. <laughs> wow, hey, Ryan, do I even have a choice in this? No, you don't. <laughs> <laughs> Just Fred dragging Corinne. <laughs> You're not a senior member. You get nothing. <laughs> wait, okay. So wait, considering that James and Henry aren't on the show very regularly and considering that you don't talk very much, is, the, is it just going to be me? You'll that be doing the heavy like lifting, idea. and I'll just be directing behind the scenes. <laughs> I'll be on okay. vacation, and you'll just... Okay, there you go. No, that makes sense. Oof, that means that Brian and Zach are going to have to carry this on their own. 
you which know what that I've been doing for 10 years. No. True. Carry cast. That's right. Zach just cut out a bunch. Carry cast. Yes. He's not up to the task of running the show. Okay. I wasn't sure if that was on his end or my end. <laughs> I was very concerned. Yep. No, complete blank spot on my end. Ha. Suck it. No, no. Bit, 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 bit. Still breaking up, Zach. Bit, bit, that, that's all, folks. It's on my end. I apologize. Zach, close oh out God, the porn browser. Like fools. Carry like cast. Fools. It'll be dedicated to. All right, well, I'm going to end this before it gets any worse. (laughs) Where we go through each one. Okay, sorry, I'll stop talking. (laughs) Yeah, sorry, Zach. Like, for some reason, yours went really bad. (laughs) I don't know what happened. And then he just left completely. (laughs) Then he just gave us a big digital middle finger. (laughs) Come back next week to find out if the real nerds are still together. (laughs) Yep. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Real Nerds Podcast. Real Nerds Podcast is a production of Neighborless Visions Multimedia. Thank you to Sparks Mandrill and Plan 9 Studios for our kick-ass theme song. Also, if you're in the Denver area and you're looking for a cool place to see movies, we see them at the Alamo Draft House in Littleton and now also in Sloan's Lake. Thank you to Colorado Coins, Cards, and Comics for supplying us with all our comic needs, especially you, Andrew. You know who you are. And a big shout-out to James's mom. I'm giving you an electronic hug that you can feel through the airwaves. Thanks for listening, and have a nice day. <laughs>